are so glad that you're here. We get the fun of preaching together, which is always a special treat. We get to do that. And right now, we have been in a series called Hope is Here, where we've been exploring uh, this idea and topic of hope. Yeah, and what we've learned is that hope is a person. Jesus, God's son, is hope. And we've been exploring what is biblical hope, and we've learned that it's not just optimism or wishful thinking. Hope is waiting with expectancy. It's not waiting for God, it's waiting with God. And then last week, we looked at the relationship between hope and faith, specifically when it comes to understanding God's plans and purposes for our lives. And what we discovered is that we can receive fresh hope, we can live in faith, and we can do the plan that God had made for us long ago, all, of course, with the help of the Holy Spirit. And this week, what we're going to discover is that there's actually an invitation here, and there's an invitation to respond to hope. But before we get into that, let's pause and ask the Holy Spirit to come be our teacher. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you that you're already here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our teacher, our guide. We pray that you would come and show us what you have for each one of us today. Amen. Amen. Well, have you noticed that it's the time of year where companies love to have us reflect on our behavior? Now, of course, that's because we're being tracked in everything that we do. And so they'll send you these little reports like to tell you how you've behaved throughout the year. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, "Um, I don't want to know how many minutes I've spent on that app. Thank you very much. Um, But I will say this, that Spotify, the largest streaming service for music, which has 500 million users a month, has a very unique report called Spotify Wrapped. And it's become this cultural phenomenon where people love to post and share and kind of flaunt this report. And it's a really fascinating report. It will tell you how many minutes of music you listened to, who were your favorite artists, what song did you listen to the most? Well, who was yours? What's your report? Well, my top artist this year was not Kyle Howard, but Jeremy Riddle, uh, another okay. worship leader. Okay. Well, and you'll notice we have, we have a little example up here so you can kind of see. So apparently Kyle's favorite is Kyle. Uh, I, I think our team might be, you know, like to play with him. But he's also listened to more minutes that are available in a year. He probably just has multiple devices just so he can get his song count up a little bit. <laughs> see how it works. Who, who was how... your favorite artist? This okay. Year? Well, this is an interesting question because for some of us, our account is also the family account. And so that means like it's the one that gets used on all the speakers at home by the children. So the information may be a little less relevant and personal. And no Spotify, Kids Bop and the Frozen soundtrack are not my actual favorite. (laughs) Now, maybe you were three. Maybe you were three. We'll get there. Well, music is powerful. It's this gift that's been given to us by God, and it connects us with each other. It brings joy. It, It brings life to our lives. How long do you think it took Adam and Eve to realize that they could sing? That's a good question. I can't answer biblically, but I could guess that, I mean, they were created, you know, right in the image of God. Their pitch had to be perfect, right? Mm-hmm. At least until Genesis 3. Because, of course, that's when sin entered the picture. Things got broken. <laughs> and we're still dealing with the result of that today. I can tell from my own voice that we're still broken in that area. Uh, it must be. But this whole idea of, of music and, and how we relate to music is really fascinating. Researchers have actually studied music, and they've discovered that music stimulates more parts of our brain than just about any other activity that we can participate in. Um, it, it actually regulates the parts of our brain that are, deal with our emotions. Like, it, it regulates some of those things, right? So God has actually, like, designed us to respond to music. And so uh, the research that just backs up the numerous benefits that are connected to, to music from our uh, emotional health, like I said, therapeutically, cognitively, even how we think. Music can actually motivate us to do more. So it's a powerful, powerful thing. And, of course, all that's really interesting, but why is that relevant today? Well, as we've discussed hope over the last couple of weeks, one thing that we have noted is that hope is really tender. And that's because many of us have faced frustrations and pain and devastations that have left us feeling less than hopeful. Right now, who of you has a problem that you're facing in your life? Go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, I want you to look around the room right now. Don't point at your spouse. Every single one of us is facing problems. Now, they degree, or they vary in degree of severity, some small problems, some very large problems, but each of us is facing problems. And when we are facing a problem, I think we need to reflect and say, how do I respond to problems in my life? Do I choose to complain? Do I choose to worry? Do I choose to try to control the situation? What's my go-to coping mechanism when it comes to problems? 
We want to explore a response today to our problems that can change things. It can instantly bring peace. It can embolden us. It can calm us. What is this response? None other than the response of praise. Well, that's so good. See, music is a unique part of God's character. And he's, he's created us with the ability to, for some of us to play instruments, uh, to sing songs, admittedly, some better than others. Uh, I am not in that better than others category. <laughs> As I said before, still le- dealing with that brokenness from Genesis 3. But thankfully, our ability and our invitation to praise, it's not based on our physical ability. It's, it's truly an invitation for all of us. It's an invitation for us to respond, an invitation from our creator to respond to him as our father, to receive his truth. So praise becomes a response to the truth that hope is actually here. So it's this powerful gift we've been given. And we've already noted some of the benefits uh, that praise that God has worked into heart, human design, and how he, uh, what it comes to, when it comes to music. And as we turn that, that idea of music and we turn our affection and attention towards God in praise and in worship, it's a spiritual practice that begins to bear incredible fruit. So what does worship do for us? How can, how can it be something that we use in praise to face the problems that we have in front of us today? And that's what we want to actually explore today is what does that actually look like? So we're going to return again to the book of Luke, which is what we've been uh, looking at through this whole series. And we're going to go and look at what some of the responses uh, were to this idea of hope being here. We're going to look specifically at two songs that were written in response to the very news that Jesus was here. And so we're going to explore today, how can praise be our response to hope? Well, we need to do a little recap of what's happened in Luke 1, because we didn't tell you all the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and they're very important for what we're going to learn about today. You know, the Gospel of Luke is where most of the Christmas story is found. And at the very beginning of Luke, we do meet these two uh, characters, Zechariah and Elizabeth, these two people. And this is what the Bible says about them. They are described as righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulation. Now, what we do know about them is that they are advanced in their years. They're older, and they were unable to have children of their own. Zechariah is a priest, and he is selected to go into the temple, into the sanctuary, to burn incense. And when he is inside the sanctuary doing his priestly duties, the angel Gabriel appears to him with with an important message. The angel says, You and your wife will conceive and bear a son whose name will be John, and he will be very important in God's plan. He will prepare the way for the coming Messiah. Well, Zechariah is shocked, and he is very confused, and he's like, "Um, Gabriel, I'm not sure how that's going to happen because we're old, and Gabriel does not like this response, and so what he says to Zechariah is basically because of your doubt, You are not going to be able to speak this entire pregnancy. You are going to become mute. And instantly, Zechariah is unable to speak. Well, after this encounter in the sanctuary, Zechariah goes home. Shortly thereafter, Elizabeth does become pregnant. Now we're going to pick up in the story what we talked about last week, and that was the story of Mary. So again, we're just right here in Luke 1. A little while later, we meet Zechariah and Elizabeth's cousin, Mary. Mary also has an encounter with with the, the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel tells her, you are going to conceive and give birth to the Messiah. He is going to be the savior to your beloved people. And Mary's response is one of joy and gratitude. She says, may it be as you have said. Now, right after that, Mary decides to go visit her cousins in the hill country of Judea. That's where Zechariah and Elizabeth live. And if you were reading in Luke 1, what you would read is that as Mary approached the house, Elizabeth sees her coming, and the baby within Elizabeth's womb kicks. And in that moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth knows that Mary is carrying the Messiah. And she speaks out this beautiful encouragement to Mary. And she says, Mary, you have been chosen by God. You are going to be blessed above all others because you believed what God said he would do. Now, I I love this idea that it's so challenging sometimes in the midst of trouble, in the midst of pain, in the midst of problems to believe. But Mary's belief here is so beautiful. It's so good. And remember, Mary's yes wasn't 
it wasn't an easy yes to this. This was a costly yes, and she understood that. She knew that she'd be labeled as an adulteress. She wasn't supposed to be pregnant yet. She knew that her, her son would be labeled as illegitimate. The, this plan that she had dreamed about for her life, the life she thought she was going to live, it just wasn't going to be. Mm-hmm. She didn't have the benefit of knowing all the things and how they would play out in those things. And despite her fear and her worry for herself and for her son, and then for this control that she had hoped to have over some part of her life, despite all that, she's filled with faith and hope, and she agrees to God's plan. There's... And there's lots of things that she doesn't know. But in that response, she doesn't just say yes to the plan. She actually responds uh, to Elizabeth's encouragement specifically by writing a beautiful song. And Not only writing, but we believe she sang, sang this song. the song, song yeah. Out. We understood that she sang it. And in, in Latin, it actually has, there's a name for this song. It's called the Magnificat. And it means to praise or to magnify. And it's filled with the Holy Spirit that Mary sings out this beautiful mosaic of what God would do through his son, Jesus. And this is considered one of the most important early worship songs here. And again, we're going to read here in Luke 1. This is Mary's response to hope being here. Picking up in verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down the princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors and to Abraham and to his children forever. Now, when we read texts like this, these texts are incredibly rich, and we can miss things. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to break this song just into three little sections, and we're just going to pull out some things that we notice about Mary's response of praise in the midst. Remember, she's really in the midst of many problems. And so this is 46 and 47 again. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I love how Mary begins this song by really positioning Jesus in his rightful place. She is declaring, God is my king. He is the one that I serve. And in these messy circumstances, as a messy teenager, there are still so many uncertainties ahead, and yet Mary breaks into this song of hope because she realizes in this moment that God is not only giving her a son, he is giving her the savior that her people have longed for. You know, as a devoted Jewish woman, again, she knew the prophecies of old and she understood that they were being fulfilled at this time. And she recognizes here, she's saying, listen, I need a savior. Mary is going to be in this incredibly unique position where she is both going to be the mother of the savior and the servant of the savior. I love that song, Mary, Did You Know? There's a lyric in that song that says, This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. Mary's, the role that God was calling her to, it was so unique. It was so complex. And, And how does Mary respond? She responds with humility. She says, Lord, you are my king. You are my savior. And she begins this song really with an attitude of joy and praise in what God is about to do. Now let's continue on to verse 48. Here she writes, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, All generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. See, these were dire circumstances right now for the Jewish people. They were under the severe oppression of the Roman Empire. There was just problem after problem that they were all facing. And Mary's here, she's proclaiming that those very powers are being subverted, right? From the bottom of the social structure, this, this, this lowly teenager, this servant girl, the Messiah, will come. So this song is a declaration to those on the margins of society that the days of injustice are coming to an end. And what we see here is this foreshadowing of Jesus' future message of the kingdom, that the kingdom is upside down. And if you want to be great in the kingdom, we don't do that by authority and power. We do that by learning to serve first. Mm -hmm. So God's taken this unsuspecting, engaged teenager and made her the mother of the Messiah. Hope was on the way, quite literally, 
God's favor was on Mary. And she responded to this hope by declaring God's greatness and mighty work. She put God in his rightful place right from the start. And then he continues on, uh, she continues on in verse 50 and says, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Now, those who are hearing this song right now that knew this, this was actually a warning to King Herod, who was the puppet king of Israel this time, at this time under those Roman uh, oppressors. He was not a good man, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the Roman Empire was as oppressive and corrupt. And for all of the, those Jewish people who were in power, they were in power because they were partnering with that same oppression and corruption. And so these lyrics, they were, they were uttered prophetically. Mm-hmm. They were a declaration of God's heart to speak to the power of those who exercised unjust rule. Mary's declaring God's heart to set his people free from those who would oppress them. This would be a song of revival and hope for God's people. That the kingdom he established was marked by humility and justice, or mishpat, as we talked about in our series in November, that God's heart for justice. This is how the Lord displays his faithfulness to keep his promises. And like we shared last week, this isn't just blind trust for Mary. Mm -hmm. Mary knew well the stories, the testimonies of how God had moved in her people over the generations. And she was holding all those things close as she responded and as she chose to trust him. Yeah, praise is Mary's response to the unfolding story in her life. In the midst of her circumstances, she chooses to praise. She chooses to magnify and praise the Lord, declaring who he is and what she believes he is about to do, despite being in the middle of all this uncertainty. And again, I I think about the problems that each of us are facing. And so often, I think our go-to response for problems in our lives is honestly to complain. And I'm speaking to myself first. What ends up happening is that we get consumed by our circumstances And we end up drowning in our own worry. But there is a better way to respond. There is a better way to respond because hope is here. And Jesus changes things. He wants us to look at our problems and choose to respond with praise. Because when we choose to respond with praise, do you know what happens? We begin to change. We remind ourselves of who God is. And he has not left us. He has not abandoned us. What is the story of of Christmas? He has come to us. Emmanuel, God with us. He's with us. But the story of the gospel is not only that he's with us, but he's in us. So good. So let's not just talk about this. We want to actually practice this well. So I want to take a moment right now. I want us to to respond and reflect. Mm. Where do you need a breakthrough? Where do you need Jesus to come and fix a problem that you're facing right now? Where do you need a fresh injection of hope? Is it in a relationship, in your finances, at work, at school, whatever it may be? Now, we may still have to walk through that struggle, just as Mary had to do. But see, praise can become a weapon that we can harness against those things that we're facing. And instead of being consumed by our circumstances, we can begin to be consumed by our creator. See, with praise, it changes our perspective. Our worries begin to fade, and we begin, to, again, to refocus and, and, and gain our ability to fight the battles that we're currently in. As we declare in faith, with hope, who King Jesus is in our lives. We put him in his rightful place because we choose to magnify him and not our problems. We were built to praise God, right? The research backs up those incredible benefits of music, of praise and worship in our lives. And so that's what we're gonna do right now. We're gonna mix things up a little bit. Right now, we're gonna pause and we're gonna respond in worship to the Lord. We're gonna choose to praise Focusing where maybe that anxiety is with your problem, we're going to turn it and we're going to choose to magnify the Lord. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come on out and they're going to prepare to lead us in this time of worship. And and what we're going to do is we're going to sing a couple of songs 
and then Mike and I will come back up and we'll finish this message, but here's the deal. Sometimes it's so important to stop and to respond that we want to create space for the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. He's the only one who can solve the problems in your life. And so we wanna create space right now in this moment for us just to say, Lord, whatever problem we're facing, whatever thing that's in front of us, we're gonna choose to turn our attention and our affection towards you. We're gonna magnify you and we're gonna see what you wanna say about this. And so what I wanna invite you to do right now is stand if you're able. And for some of you, I think God might be calling you to come down front so you have more space or you could step out into the aisles. I know this is a little bit different, but I believe that there is an invitation today to respond. Hope is here and he wants to meet us. And so I'm just gonna pray us into worship and we'll worship and then I'll be back up in just a little bit. So Holy Spirit, you're here. You're moving in our midst, God. And there are so many problems represented right now in this space. God, impossible problems. But you wanna come, God, as we magnify you, as we turn our attention and affection towards you and say, you are our king. We welcome you further into this space. Come, Holy Spirit. There's a song I used to sing as a little girl and it said, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Praise in the spirit and with understanding. Oh, magnify the Lord. I want us just to close our eyes for a moment. And as Mike just invited us, anything that's weighing on you right now. Jesus is here. He's with us. He's standing before you. And I just want you to imagine yourself just giving, placing it off of yourself and into the hands of Jesus. Just name what it is and just give it to him. Take off heaviness. We take off oppressive thoughts. Take off fear and anxiety.
Yes, Jesus. Praise changes our perspective. It allows our heart to see hope. I love what Carolyn sang out over us. Jesus, thank you for meeting us in this moment. Thank you that you're not done. We say yes, Jesus, to everything you want to do for us, in us, and through us, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is different. I know this is different, and I want to encourage you just to continue to engage with the Spirit. You can sit down. We're going to do just a little bit more of the message, and then we're going to sing some more because that is the invitation today, to respond with praise. And so we're going to go back to Luke, and we're at the end of Luke chapter 1 now. And just a reminder, Zechariah has been mute the entire pregnancy, and the time comes for Elizabeth to give birth. And she does give birth to a little baby boy. And as was customary, on the eighth day, they took that baby to the temple to be dedicated, to be circumcised, and to be named. And when they asked the family, what is this child's name? Of course, Zechariah couldn't speak yet. And so it was Elizabeth who said, his name is John. And they didn't believe her because they're like, well, John's not a family name. Where'd you get this name? And it wasn't until Zechariah took a tablet and wrote, his name is John, that in that moment, he could instantly speak again. Now, after nine months of silence, after not being able to talk for nine months, what were the first things out of his mouth? Did he say he was sorry? Did he try to explain himself? No. The first thing out of his mouth was praise. It was prophetic praise because he went on to declare this beautiful prophetic song. And we believe again that he sang these words out. We don't know if he had a good voice or not. He was an older man and yet filled with the Holy Spirit, he had just been through this incredible, miraculous thing, and he has to get out what's been inside him. In Latin, this song is called the Benedictus, and it means a song of thanksgiving, a song of praise, a song of blessing. Zechariah's response to hope being here, his response to still a lot of unknown ahead of him, was to praise. And so we're going to pick up in verse 67, and Mike's going to read part of it. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us, he has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And now there's more here and we'll, we'll continue on. I want to just pause and we're just going to pull out some of the powerful truths that are in this section here. Yeah, Zechariah is so filled with gratitude in this moment. He has no choice but to praise God. And I think this is so interesting for, for each of us who, when we've faced a problem and our response hasn't been a good one, we've questioned, we've doubted. I think Zechariah's story shows us a redemption. Because remember, he's not been able to talk for nine months because he responded to, to the, the angel's message with doubt. And I think for some of us, when we're in the midst of problems in our life, we are filled with doubt. And, and I believe that, that Jesus is here today to break shame off of how we've responded to the problems. And like Zechariah, we can choose today to instead respond with hope. The, 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 man, the, the God that Zechariah had served for decades, the one that he loved and he adored and he prayed would come and rescue his beloved people, he had heard the centuries-old cry for the Messiah to come. And Zechariah realizes God's plan is in motion and I get to be part of that plan. What could his response be but to praise and give thanks and gratitude to who God is and, and all that he was about to do? And, you know, we hear, you know, the, the covenant of Abraham, you know, again, this wasn't blind trust. This was trust that had been built generation upon generation as people had prayed and prayed and prayed for breakthrough and we also know in, in this part of the song that, you know, Zechariah really talks about who God is, his righteousness, his holiness. We praise God because of who he is. It makes, it makes him worthy of our worship. We're going to pick up now in verse 76. Yeah, and this is Zechariah speaking now specifically about his new son, John. He says, and you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. 
because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. I I love this section here because Zachariah is stopping to be like a proud dad, right? He's speaking out the, the, the the destiny and the promises of God over his son. He's just been through this crazy experience of one just becoming a dad, right? It was impossible. At their age, they never thought they were ever gonna be able to have children. And here, God shows himself again to be a God of the impossible. And not just that, this promised son would be part of God's great rescue mission. For not just his people, but for the entire world. And you can hear there's a tenderness and an awe in Zachariah's voice as he, as he declares these, these destiny and promises over his son. As a father, I'm, I'm challenged here. Have I stopped to think about, to pray about, to write down the promises and the destiny that God has over my children and my family? What a powerful practice if we were to all to stop and do that. To take a moment to think about what is, God, what are you saying about my oldest son, Ty? What are you saying about Tate and Maggie and Molly? What do you have for them? There's power in us stopping and taking a moment, not just to see what the promises God has for us, but for those he's given as closest to us as well. See, John the Baptist here, he would become one of the most important prophets in the history of Israel. It was an incredible destiny, but it wouldn't come without, it wouldn't be without its own challenges. He was beaten and imprisoned and misunderstood. Might have been his hair and his diet. He was a little crazy. Some of those were his own doing. But, and ultimately, John actually gave his life for the Lord. Like that was the dedication. That was the end result. But he had this incredible privilege Mm -hmm. of being the forerunner to pave the way for the savior of the world. And in this, this, this verses, we also see this, this foretaste of the gospel. It talks about how we're going to find salvation through forgiveness of the sin. So he's, he's foreshadowing the message of Jesus, the message of the gospel that was to come. See, there'd been this hole in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. They were barren. They weren't, they weren't supposed to have children. And God had given them this child in their old age. And it wasn't just any child. It was a child who would change the course of God's people, and really the the course of the world. See, when God responds and answers our prayer and he moves, we get to respond Mm -hmm. from this place of praise. See, we can respond to hope just as he did with thanksgiving and praise. Okay, we're gonna finish the song. This is verses 78 and 79. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Zechariah is declaring here that God's mercy is cause for celebration. It is light in the darkest times. No matter what problem you're facing, what storm you're in, hope is here. Jesus is here and he brings light into every dark place in our lives. The name Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. His very name speaks to the character of God that Yahweh remembers, that he is entirely faithful, that he will do what he has promised to do. And there are so many beautiful themes in the Benedictus, so many themes. There's the thanksgiving and praise, there's redemption, there's mercy, there's justice. And I don't know where this song finds you today in your journey with your specific problems, but do you need mercy today? Do you need justice? Do you need redemption? I believe that Jesus is here to meet us as we respond to him with praise. And that's the invitation to, again, respond to him with praise. And I want to be honest, praise is costly. The Bible tells us that praise is a sacrifice because we don't always feel like praising But when we make the choice to say, Lord, you are the king of my life. I want to magnify you. Lord, you are the giver of every good gift. I want to thank you. It changes us. It shifts something inside us. And so that's what we want to do now in these final moments. Yeah, we want to invite you again. Stand if you're able. And we're going to take a moment to practice what we've been preaching about. So I want you to take take a moment and just reflect right now. What are you grateful for? 
What is the testimony of God moving in your life? What are those mile markers that we can look at and hold close the testimony of God's powerful work in our lives? And with that in your heart, I want you to think, what is a situation where you need the Holy Spirit to bring breakthrough? Where do you need breakthrough with fresh hope to come again? See, when we know who God is, that he's faithful, he's just, and he's merciful, and he's generous, we can listen to what God is speaking about our destiny and the destiny of those around us. And we can choose to engage with that. What is the destiny he's speaking out over you and your family? And like Mary, we want to respond and magnify the Lord through our praise. And just like Zechariah, we want to be grateful and respond with thanksgiving. Hope is here. And we get to choose to respond with praise. So Holy Spirit, come. As we begin to engage with you again and respond to you in our life, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come to fill us with your fresh hope. To help us respond to the hope you've already given us. We are so thankful, God, that you are here right now in our midst. So Lord, come as we worship and magnify you with our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
Spirit, we just invite you to increase right now. God, may we choose to believe that there is hope. I just break off weariness and I just say hope rise right now in Jesus' name. You are worthy to be praised, God. Your name changed everything. And we worship you today.
Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the freedom that you've brought into this room. Thank you for the hope that you've injected into our hearts, God. That you see us through every problem. That we're waiting with you in hope, God. That you will do the impossible. 